Welcome to the Arise Church Podcast. At Arise, we're a community of imperfect people, pursuing and experiencing a transformative relationship with Jesus and one another. For more information, you can find us online at ariseonline.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. How's everybody feeling today? Good? I can't say the same. I did the, the annual garage cleaning yesterday, which is, is really symbolic for um, Easter time. Um, the death and decay of Friday and Saturday and, um, and then rising on Sunday morning a little sore and stiff, but feeling like there might be life ahead. So it was, it was good for me. Happy Easter to you. We're going to be in John. Oh, the kids are with us today. It's going to be awesome. So, yep. So, how many people are going to be able to listen this morning? Some, you guys want to see something scary? I can make all of your kids cry, guarantee. <laughs> better, better not. All right, we're going to be in John chapter 20 this morning. We've been in John 19 in, in the Synoptic Gospels also, in the, the, um, the final words of Jesus as he was uh, being put on and, and on the cross, and this morning we're fast-forwarding. And, and typically on Easter, we would, we would think a lot about um, Jesus and what he did in, in the grave and coming out of the tomb, and certainly that's a part of this morning, but I want to focus our attention just a little bit more on the other people that were around the tomb, the, the disciples of Jesus and the people that followed him, and see if we can't relate our stories a little bit to their story. So let's, I'm going to read the whole chapter of John. If you have your Bible, read along with me. If not, I'd invite you to close your eyes and just try to capture the scene and try to put yourself in the shoes or the sandals of those people who were in this story. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word written. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, the living word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that gives us faith and aids us in our understanding and in our courage to apply your words to our lives. So come and be our teacher this morning now. We pray in your name. Amen. Now on the first day of the week, which to us is Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. And if you've been around here for a while and you know me, you know this is one of my favorite verses of Scripture right here. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. God, thank you for inspiring John to write that line in there. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths laying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. Note that the older guy might have been a little slower, but he was braver. He actually went inside. He saw the linen cloth laying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, 
not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. As for yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one on the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, And Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into the side, into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. God's word from the Gospel of John, may he add his blessing to it in our hearing. The the story, anybody remember those books, those choose your own adventure story books that you you get to a certain spot in the book and invites you that, okay, this this has happened and choose whether or not you're going to go this way or this way. 
Um, when, I, when I read this portion of the story leading right up to starting with this morning and then the Great Commission, which in John's gospel is, is slipped in there um, when, when Jesus has received the Holy Spirit and now go and forgive sins, etc. So that, that's from Matthew 28. That's John's version of that. Um, so here, here we have the story of these guys who are, who are hiding for fear of the Jews, it said, hiding in their disbelief, um, like Thomas, um, hiding in their not yet understanding the scriptures, like, like John said about himself um, when, when he went to them. They're, they're hiding and they're not fully knowing who Jesus was at that point. Um, and then at the end of this story, just this one chapter, we, we see what is the, the prelude or like the beginning of this great adventure choose your own adventure, of these guys who are going to go out and change world history. So the question I have for you this morning is, are, are you the character that chose to hide in the house in disbelief, or are you the character that goes out and fully knows who Jesus is and enjoys the adventure that you have before you? Which direction would you choose this morning? Well, as you might guess, I'm going to start with the negative and say that we often choose the path of hiding in disbelief, hiding in a place and not fully knowing who Jesus is in our lives, and we miss out on a grand adventure. Pause for just a second. Any chance we could turn off the runaway lights? Those, those big things right there? No chance? The FFA requires that we... Okay. All right. Just in case an airplane lands, I want them to see me for sure. But if you happen to figure out how to turn those off back there, that would be super awesome because all I see right now are spots. Um, I thought I might be having a seizure, but I'm, I'm okay. Okay, so, so here's... <laughs> thanks, Mike. So, so, so the question for, that we want to start with is, is why were they hiding in that room in the first place and what impact did it have on their ability to know who, who Jesus was? Well, the, the hint or the clue is there when, when John says that when they got to the tomb, um, they did not yet understand what the scriptures had said. They did not yet know that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. So now we have to imagine what was it like for them Friday night, really Thursday night for some of them, um, when Jesus was first arrested. What was it like for them to experience that from Thursday night at the arrest um, through the crucifixion on Friday and, and the, the, the gloom of Saturday. Saturday is the day after your, your Lord, your teacher has just died, right? The person that's been most influential in your life for the previous three years, you've had this great relationship. Um, are the lights changing or is it me? Am I going dim? Okay. <laughs> this happens to me sometimes. So, so what's going on in, inside of their, their hearts and their minds in, in those those the period of, of dark hours. Well, they were so Friday-focused on the death of Jesus that they are now trapped in the grief on, on Saturday. And then the clue there is that out of fear for the Jews, so they were afraid um, that they were going to be arrested also and potentially put on crosses and handed over to the Romans for maybe causing an insurrection or, or, or whatever the, the charge might be. So they were fearing for their own safety, fearing for their own lives. We know this because in the other Gospels, it, it talks about how Peter did deny Jesus during that period of time, right? So Jesus has been arrested and somebody goes, hey, there's one of them. And, no, not me. So Peter does the denial. He denies Jesus three times. So out of fear for their own lives, and, and honestly, who can blame them? Right? I mean, if, if, if you thought that you were going to get ar arrested by, by an unrighteous mob, that you might get beat up and flogged and drugged through town and then placed on a cross, wouldn't you protect yourself? I, 
I, I would. I mean, I would like to think that I, I would be a super brave martyr, but if I knew that there was a way out, it was a simple way out, I would take it. It's natural for us to want to preserve our own lives. That's where the phrase self-preservation comes from, right? So the disciples at this point are just practicing common sense self-preservation. The downside of it is because they did not understand the scriptures, because they, they weren't um, living in faith for the previous three years of Jesus. Remember how many times Jesus said, guys, didn't I tell you that it's going to be this? And he was constantly having this battle with them. It's not about who's going to be first when my kingdom comes. It's about this. So they weren't living out of faith those previous three years. They were living primarily out of the flesh. And they had this hope that Jesus was going to be this great political leader and that he was going to rise up an, an army and, and uh, Israel was going to be in its glory days again and that they were going to have positions of power and authority and prominence. Because of that, because they misunderstood and they disbelieved what the scriptures had said, they didn't fully know who Jesus was, and now they were having to hide and self-persevere. They, they were protecting themselves. Not hard to understand for us. Some of you know that um, Shannon and I have become vacation experts, um, and we're actually feeling a strong call from the Lord to become travel agents and take other people on adventures. At least one of us is. Um, so we, we like to go to new places and new adventures. And one of our things the last few years has been going sailing um, in, in the ocean. So we fly to St. Thomas, we rent a sailboat, and we go sail around the U.S. and the British Virgin Islands for a week at a time. And it's, it's awesome. And as some of, if you're Facebook friends with us, you've seen our pictures. Some of you have seen those and said, wow, it looks like a great vacation. Here's, here's a couple of responses that I get that I love. First one is, oh, it must be nice. And I would say, yeah, it is. That's the point. It's called vacation. It's supposed to be nice. As, as if we're lucky to do that. We save our money, and then we get ready, and we go, it's, yes, it is nice. So if that was you, sorry to point you out, but it is nice, and it's supposed to be. The other, other response that I get that I find really fascinating is um, people say, so where do you sleep at night? And I would say, well, in the, in the bed. Down, down below, there's a bed. Like, it, it, uh, on the boat? Yeah. So... On the water? Yeah, that's, that's where boats go. They're, they go on water. Like, they, they float. No, there's no pickup there that you hook onto the 44-foot-long boat, boat and drag it out of the water for the night. So, yes, on the water. So, you sleep on the boat, on the water, in the ocean. Yes. Every night we sleep on the boat, on the water, in, in the ocean. People are just, oh, I could never do that. Like, what? What, what, what do you mean you could never do it? I, I just, on the ocean, I'm like, well, it's, it's, it, it floats, right? It's like, it's not a submarine. It's, it, you're okay. And people have been doing this for a really long time. So here, here's what gets me. So I'll say, would you be willing to go to St. Thomas and just sit on the beach for a week? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. So let me get this straight. You're willing to get into a thin aluminum cylinder that's powered by things spinning super, super fast that are, are right next to... Um, uh, hundreds, probably thousands of gallons of highly explosive jet fuel through the air, um, piloted by a couple of guys that you've never met before, um, and 30,000 feet in the air going 400 miles an hour. You're cool with that? Like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, because statistically, I'm like, statistically, those things have only been around for a few decades. We've been on boats for thousands of years. The Greeks did it, and the Vikings did it, and the, we've been on, so anyway, sorry, I'm getting lost in this argument. Um, <laughs> Here's my point is that people miss out on adventures in life for what? Self-preservation. They don't want to drown. They don't want to drown. They don't want to be attacked by sharks, and they don't want to go um, get caught in a hurricane. 
Do, have any of you ever drowned before? I, I, hope, I hope everybody says no. Get your hand down, Lupke. How many people do you know that have drowned in the ocean while sleeping at night? Yeah, nobody. It, it just doesn't happen. And I, yeah, maybe it does. R- rarely, right? And, and how many people do you know that have been on a vacation sailboat? And I'm not talking about like, like a race around the world sailboat. These are, these are like RVs that go to Yellowstone, right? So how many of you, do, do you know anybody that has, has um, gotten caught in a hurricane while on vacation on a sailboat? Kevin, Kevin Kristen, I know you did on land. Um, never go to the beach during hurricane season. So it just doesn't make sense sometimes. We have these unnatural fears um, that, that dictate how we go through life. So ho- hopefully by now you figure out, here's where I'm going with this. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus or fully experiencing just how great Jesus is and fully experiencing the adventure that he may have out there for our lives, we oftentimes don't engage it or don't experience it out of self-preservation. Now, that self-preservation may be as simple as, I don't want to give up my time. I have a very set schedule in my life, and I like the way things are ordered. Or, I don't want to show up in a place where other people will see me because I'm embarrassed about maybe something I did in the past. Or, I don't want to engage in relationships with other people um, because they might get to know the real me and then they won't like me. Or I don't feel like I am good enough yet to be in a, and hopefully if you're here last week, you got that, that you don't have to pay for that anymore. Your sin has been paid for. Think of all the excuses that you use for not engaging the grand adventure that God might have for your life. Something, something way better than, than vacation. Something way more intimate than just hanging out and chatting on the beach with friends. What are the things that keep you in that house? Is it fear of being arrested? Is it fear of being known? Is it fear of embarrassment? I I would bet that it's fear of something, and fear is the enemy of faith. Now, before we, we get into the how do you go on the greatest vacation of your life, let me point something out about the Father in this story, about the the heart of the Father and what he, he gives to us. Um, this actually just, just hit me recently as I was reading um, through the story again and picturing the scene of that stone rolled away, which I've heard so many different times um, that the stone is rolled away and I've read the commentaries about how the stones were, what the shape they were and how they're built and how it would take two to three men to move them but they're made to, to roll away, and etc. Um, and, and that the tomb was empty and that's the sign of Jesus being gone. But here's, here's something that I hadn't um, thought about previously and it's this. Jesus had the ability, which we know even from this chapter, he had the ability to show up wherever he wanted, right? He just showed up in the room with the guys and said, hey, peace be with you. And, the, and they probably freaked out a little bit. Jesus had a habit of not using doors. Is that fair? Why did the stone have to be rolled away? Why couldn't Jesus just teleport himself out of there? Yeah, so people would, would, I don't know what you said because the kids are talking, but I'm guessing that you said, so that people would be curious, that they would recognize. So it it was a witness, a testimony that God had done something. Here's another way to put it. God left the door open. God didn't just conquer death. He left the door open so that we could take a look inside. 
On Easter, a lot of people do the, the Easter egg hunt thing, right? <clears throat> I know there are a few of you who, who probably find that abhorrent and hate people who do Easter eggs because it's pagan. Um, and I agree. So if you're an Easter egg hunter, you might as well just pack it up right now. Um, <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, if all you celebrate on Easter is a bunny and candy and eggs, then I, I might have a slight problem with that. And I'd like to talk to you about it because it's our holiday, not Hallmark's. Um, but here's the thing that I love about Easter egg hunts. It's the joy that we get to feel watching kids hunt for things, right? Because the kids don't really care. They, they have fun for a moment, but they have a whole lot more fun on the way home looking at all the candy and the things that they got, right? So the kids are in it for the peeps, and they're in it for the Reese's, and they're in it for the, the whatever. The, the hunt is just a means to an end. What they really want is, is the candy. The hunt is really more about us. The hunt is, is the fun of, of, of grandma or mom or dad or whoever it is hiding the eggs in the first place. And then I'm running around with what we used to have, these big old shoulder cams that we'd run around with and take videos of the kids. Now you just walk around with your phone, you take videos, and you get to experience the joy in your heart of watching those kids discover those things. It's more fun for you than it is for them, guaranteed. Um, so here, I want you to just imagine that joy for a moment. Moment. I think that's what the father feels. I, I, this is speculation. This is not scripture. But I think that God, the father, is on the throne at that moment, maybe with the four living creatures and the elders and whoever else is hanging out in the throne room and going, look, look, guys, John has beaten Peter to the tomb. Look at him run. Look at, because they heard that the door was open. Because Mary went back and said, guys, the, the door's open, and Jesus is gone. Now, may, maybe they were going for the wrong reason. Maybe they thought that somebody stole Jesus, but still they were running, all because the Father left the door open. At the end of this gospel, it says, these things are written, and Jesus said many of these things, but these things are written so that you might believe. God has still left the door open, and he invites us to come and take a look inside. All right, let me, let me look at the practicals. Look at them with me. I read the whole story because I think there's something that every character in that story offers to us. I am not going to cover what, what they all did. I just I pulled out a few things here that I think are important. And the first one is risk. And it comes from Mary. Early in the morning, before the sun rose, Mary got up to go to the grave. She was going to complete the work that hadn't been finished on Friday night because the Sabbath starts for Jewish people on Friday nights. And um, she, she needed to go and complete the work of anointing on Sunday morning after Sabbath ends on Saturday night. The Jewish day actually starts when the sun goes down. So for all you morning risers, sorry, the day starts in the evening. Um, um, so she goes to the tomb before the sun is even up. It's dark out. Here's a few things we know about Jewish people. They don't like going out in the dark. They're afraid of it. They think that robbers are out in the dark. Um, she was a woman. She had no business going out at night um, when there's Roman soldiers, when there's a, there was a lot of stuff going on in, in that, that um, period of history. It was a scary thing for her to do. She risked going out. So you, you know I kind of like to push on, on the men of the church a little bit, but um, no pressure, but the woman was the first one to go to the tomb. So quit being a bunch of sallies and risk a little bit. What is it that you are holding on to for safety that's preventing you from engaging in a deeper relationship with Jesus and from experiencing that adventure? Would you take a risk and let go of it? Would you be willing to go out in the dark? I'd say, would you be willing to get up earlier in the morning to start your day off? But I would be a hypocrite in saying that because I don't get up before dawn for anything except for airplane flights to paradise. 
Um, I don't even get up early in the morning to fish. Fish bite just as well at dinner time as they do at breakfast time. So um, risk. First thing is risk. Are you willing to risk a little and go into the dark to go into a scary place in order to have a better relationship? Second thing is run. Are you willing to run for it? Again, I, I love that John includes this in the story, that they, they ran, and that the disciple whom Jesus loved ran a little bit faster than the old guy. But the point is that, that they ran, that they, they were actually hungry for something, and they acted on it. So they heard some news, and rather than just sitting back in the house and wondering, they didn't wonder, they ran, they acted on it. If you're wondering at all this morning about any of this, and, and even if you have doubts, let me throw that out there, even if you have doubts that Jesus actually rose from the grave, would you at least not be lazy? Would you, would you just act on it? Do something about it. If you hear some news that makes you think, then go and find out. And that leads me to the third thing, and that's investigate. When they got there, John stands outside the tomb. Why would you run all the way there and then not look inside? You know what I mean? That's like hearing a siren that goes down the road, and you follow it, and you get there, but you just keep your head down the whole time and go, oh, man, I know there's an accident over there. And then you don't, you don't check it out. So they get there. Peter stoops down um, and goes inside. And once he stoops down and goes inside, that's when he realizes that the cloths are still there and that the head cloth was actually folded up. Again, God didn't have to fold the cloths, right? God doesn't have a mom that follows him around and tells him to do his laundry. God could have just taken off the cloths, dropped them on the floor, or he could have just left with them. But they're actually folded on the, the, the table that the body would have been laying on. So Peter goes inside and he investigates. Would you be willing to investigate? If you're hearing some of this for the first time or, or, or maybe the hundredth time, but it's got you wondering, I wonder about this. Are you willing to dig in? Are you willing to stoop down and go in and, and take a closer look? And then the last thing, the fourth thing, is, is to believe. And I know that it seems like, like a given, but at some point, they had to choose to believe also. I know that it's, it's kind of a gift, the gift of faith to believe. Um, but John and Peter, at a certain point, ha they, they, they risked, they, they ran there, they investigated, and at some point, they had to decide in their minds that, yep, this is it. I tend to think that it was helpful that they were there together, because if, had they been there alone, they, they could have just thought, you know, I think I'm just going to keep this to myself. But they couldn't at that point, so they believed, and then they went back and they told the other brothers about it as well. Risk, run, investigate, and believe. Put those thoughts into actions and make a decision about it. Don't let it just sit on the back shelf of, of your mind. They took those actions. Those actions were the choice for them to engage a bigger adventure than hiding out in a room. At a certain point, there they are, looking at all the evidence, and they believed. In fact, John says that, that they didn't previously understand, but then they knew that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Can you imagine what it was like in that moment? Imagine again the, the, the pain of, or the, the disappointment of Thursday night and the pain of Friday and, and the gloom and the darkness of Saturday suddenly comes to an end. So there they'd been hiding in that darkness, so Friday focused that they, they didn't think that the world could ever be the way it once was, and suddenly they knew 
that Jesus was alive. This is really hard for us to imagine because we haven't seen anybody come back from the dead, but, but imagine um, a family member that you know that has gone on and that ha- has died, walks in that door all of a sudden and goes, hey, everybody, Im- imagine that initial thought. So your, your parent or your grandparent or, or your loved one, your friend, whoever it was, walks in. Imagine how that changes the way you view the world. Suddenly they knew, and that changed everything for them. That changed all, all the pain suddenly became possibility. All the despair suddenly became hope. Imagine the, the exhilaration that just grows inside of you when that person is suddenly alive who was dead. Then everything that Jesus had been teaching them for the previous three years starts to take on a, a new shape, a new understanding in their minds that empowered them, that enabled them to go out and do what it was that Jesus was calling them to do. There is no way that those guys go out and change the world if Jesus stays in that tomb. No way. The resurrected, resurrection changed everything for them. Peter goes on to Rome where, he, where he's crucified upside down because he didn't want to dishonor Jesus by being crucified just like him. Um, Thomas, the doubter, goes to India, an unclean country to them, had to take a boat to get there. Um, Legend has it that he was was speared and that he died while he was there. Matthew goes on to, to Africa and some of the Arab countries, and he spreads the gospel there. James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't even believe in Jesus while he was teaching, James, the brother of Jesus, becomes the first pope in Jerusalem and is martyred by being thrown out of one of the spires of the temple for not recanting on the name of Jesus. These are people that had incredible faith in Jesus. They're not people that hid in a room for the rest of their lives and wondered, huh, I wonder what would have happened if these are people that encountered something so powerful that it set them out on an adventure and they're unwilling to recant even to the point of death. Risk a little, run to it, investigate and begin to believe and see if it doesn't change everything in your life. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, for your your obedience to the Father, for your victory over death, we worship you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, I pray that as you chase us around through life, that you would help us to overcome our fear and give us the courage to believe you in action. It's in your name we pray. Amen.